Um, I love that last song we just did. I, I, we're doing a series in the new year on John chapter 12 to 17. And obviously, whoever wrote that last song we sung has been spending time in John chapter 12 to 17. So maybe that'll be our song for next year. But just that idea of abiding in Jesus, hearing his voice. What a wonderful thing to sing about. Um, when is your last service with us for the year? I know some people are going to begin to head off. I know even this morning we had about three families who've already gone overseas. But uh, if you're joining us for the Christmas services, uh, we're looking forward to that. 5 o'clock and 9.30, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Well, how do you know it's Christmas? Uh, I got my first clue last weekend when I went to Harris Farm and uh, paid $69 a kilogram for some prawns. <laughs> Had to take out a second mortgage. Uh, always feel like you know it's Christmas as well. You get your first major sunburn of the year. You know, it's not summer until you've had a good roasting and then you realise, yes, sunscreen is my friend. And then, of course, you start to see Christmas lights everywhere. Um, we didn't go this year, but one of the church families live up in Davidson in that street where the entire street goes bananas and they have like ice cream trucks and all kinds of stuff. And they're single-handedly responsible for the electricity shortage in the grid at the moment. <laughs> but why lights? Why do we have lights at Christmas? Well, isn't it the season to celebrate the light of the world? Coming into the darkness. Amen. That's our theme this year. The prophet Isaiah says, Arise, shine, your light has come. Jesus says, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should walk in the darkness. And then, of course, Jesus transfers it to us. He says to his disciples, You are the light of the world. So, what if Christmas is about more than eating overpriced prawns? (laughs) <laughs> or decorating your house? What if Christmas is about God bringing his light into the darkness by sending Jesus into the world? What if Christmas is about the remarkable story of God filling his children, that's you and me, with his spirit, with his light, in order that we might bring hope to the world? One of the things that I'm loving as a dad at this particular stage of my kids growing up is introducing them to all the movies that I've enjoyed over the years. Uh, their current obsession, having done all of the Star Wars films, shows, extra movies, is we're now watching Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, that's a lot for a little kid to take in, I admit that. But, you know, after the first three hours... they're. <laughs> They're starting to really enjoy it. Uh, so we've done two. We've got one to go. And uh, of course, it tells the story of the battle for Middle Earth. The hobbits, their little band of friends, taking on the evil forces of Mordor and Sauron. So for the next 25 minutes, if you haven't seen the film, I'd just love to tell you the story. Uh, <laughs> let's not do that. But of course, the books, the Lord of the Ring books were written by the practising Christian J.R. Tolkien. And so many of the scenes are directly pinched from stories in the Bible. Um, And there's just this theme that runs the whole way through it of light overcoming the darkness. 
Now, of course, Jesus does not conquer with weapons, but with love. But the themes are all still there. And now one of the great scenes, humour me here tonight, guys, is at the end of the second movie, it's the battle for Helm's Deep. Who's with me? Yeah, I'm getting some head nods over here. Gandalf the wizard says to King Aragorn, the king in waiting, look to my coming on the first light of the fifth day at dawn, look to the east. True epic fashion. We're about two and a half hours into the movie here. The evil troll army has almost defeated the good guys in the castle. All seems lost. And then right at the darkest moment, Gandalf the White appears on the ridge as the sun breaks up out of the darkness with this huge army of reinforcements. And as the sun rises at dawn, so does the promised help appear. The battle is turned decisively in favour of the good guys. Gandalf the White, with the light of the sun behind him, defeats the forces of darkness. It's a cool moment. And my kids are into it. And I'm loving it. But there's a reason that so many of our stories, whether it be Star Wars and the light and the dark side or Lord of the Rings, echo the greatest story ever told. And that's because I think we long for light to triumph over darkness. We long for good to win over evil in this world. So all through the Bible, you get this motif of light and darkness. If you want to understand the Bible, it's a great way to understand it. Just follow a theme all the way through the story. But darkness represents all that's wrong and broken about the world and in us. And then the light represents God, his presence, his mission in the world, what his character is like. From the beginning, God separates the light from the darkness and it says he saw the light was good. And the reason light is good is light brings order to chaos. You know the story of the Old Testament. He forms a people. God leads them out of slavery in Egypt. And then God's presence is a light to guide them. As Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? It's his light that guides them, that protects them, that saves them. But the promise in the scriptures is as much as God is a force for light, that the people of God haven't seen anything yet. That there is a great light that is going to come into the world that will truly, once and for all, overcome the darkness. Isaiah 9.1, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And that's really what Christmas is all about, the coming of light into the world. I love that imagery. That's our testimony, isn't it? That we were once in darkness, but we now walk in the light. I mean, I I love that um, Facebooky guy, Humans of New York. And people, they they post a photo and then a little story around them. Remember one I saw a couple of years ago? It was just a really simple one. It was just this guy. And he just said, Jesus helped me get off crack cocaine. And now I own a window washing business. And I remember just thinking, yeah, that's what Jesus does. You know, he saves, he restores and he gives people a future. So that's what the light comes into our lives to do. So a light's to come into the world. It will end the gloom for those living in darkness. 
And this light is then linked to the actions of the people who bear God's name. Isaiah 42, 5 to 7. I'll take hold of your hand. Right? God's going to get a hold of us. <laughs> and then I'll keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. That's just us. And then what does that light do? Verse 7. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. That's our mandate. So as we get to know the light, we're going to become the light. And that's the kind of thing that light bearers do in this world. We've got an incredible role to play. His light breaking forth through us. You know, it's pretty remarkable claims that through us, the church, he'll heal the blind. He'll free the captives. He'll release those in darkness. You know, we had a great guy at church this morning and I overheard him telling his tale to someone. He was talking about how he'd been homeless and beaten up by police. And, and here he is at church, you know. He's coming to know the light of the world. And that's the thing that can change his life more than anything else in the world. Do we not know that? So that's what God wants to encourage us to give our lives to, to be involved in, to care about, to speak on behalf of. Christianity is not about getting saved and then just getting a ticket to heaven and just waiting around and singing some songs. <laughs> I do like doing that. But our faith is an invitation to follow the light of the world and then to be the light of the world. That's always God's plan. People ask, where is God this Christmas? Where's God in the world? Why is there so much darkness? You know, whether it's the war in the Ukraine or, you know, the floods or the financial distress. But let me tell you what I've come to know is that God is at work. He is at work in the darkness. And he's doing it through his spirit-filled disciples who spread light into the world. Um, one of my favourite New York Times opinion piece writers, a guy called Nicholas Kristof. And around Christmas for the last couple of years... He goes around the world looking for good news stories. I think he knows that we get to the end of the year. We often just feel like there's just so much darkness. And, and Nicholas Kristoff is not a Christian himself, but I think he's on the way. But he goes to these war-torn areas and these desperate places. And in one of his articles, he wrote that what he kept on finding was on the front lines doing good work in the most difficult of places consistently over and over again were Christians. You know, one of those articles was about my friend's dad, who I studied with in Vancouver, who gave up his successful career as a surgeon in Canada to go work through the entire civil war in Angola as a surgeon. Shining the light of Jesus in the darkest of places. Because following the light of the world pretty quickly turns you into a light within the world. And of course, we're living in an environment where Christians are not always perceived as the good guys anymore. You know, sadly, much of that's for understandable reasons. The church has got a lot wrong. I remember reading an article uh, you know, a couple of years ago about the Salvation Army. And then in the comment section, people were laying into them because they don't support the church, because the church has these views and these positions. And then there was this one commenter who just simply put under the article, Well, I thank God for the salvos. Because they were the ones who picked me up out of the gutter when no one else would. 
You know, isn't that the truth? Like we can all throw stones and criticise and... But it's the Christians who time and time again are just doing the Jesus-y thing in the world. And that's the claim that without God's children at work in the world, it gets plunged, <coughs> excuse me, into darkness. You know, and I think a question for us always to ask as a church is, would Manly miss us? Would Manly notice the difference if all the churches all of a sudden closed down? Are we essential? Because that seems to be the suggestion that the prophet Isaiah makes. That God's children are meant to be the light of the world. Without us, the world gets plunged into darkness. It loses its moral core, its sense of right and wrong. The value of every individual as special. So the prophet Isaiah says this. Isaiah chapter 60. Again, pointing forward. He says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you. His glory appears over you. And so nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Now, at the time of writing this, the people of God didn't have anything particularly going on within their community to think that this was going to get fulfilled through them. they just come back from exile. You know, they, they, they'd had a big time of darkness. But in chapter 60, the prophet Isaiah reassures the people that God has not forgotten them and that their mission as a light to the world has not changed. But as one scholar puts, we must conclude it relates principally to future events. Any ideas who that could be? This was written 700 years before a little baby was born in a manger. It's that amazing song we sing at Christmas. says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. <laughs> That's a good song. And we're doing that next, aren't we? Come on. I always get to put requests in at this time of year. and That's always in there. So in Matthew 4, we read that the waiting is over. The new and glorious morn has begun. Now, the author of the Gospel of Matthew tries to make sense of all these amazing things happening around the coming of the birth of Jesus. Miraculous signs and angels appearing and wise men turning up. Something special is brewing. So Matthew quotes that first verse I read from Isaiah. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He says you want to understand what Christmas is about. You want to understand what the incarnation is. You want to understand what the appearing of Jesus is about. It's about the fulfilment of this prophecy. Like Gandalf promising to come in the midst of the darkest moment of the battle to rescue. So Jesus is the promised one who comes into the world to defeat the darkness. And that's what makes Christmas such a wonderful time of year. This is our season, people. (laughs) This is our time to shine. Let me finish tonight by just reflecting on some of that Isaiah 61 to 3. Firstly, it says, the darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. You know, I think that is the reality of the world that we live in. 
remember hearing a story a few years ago about the original Westfield Mall that opened. I think it was in like the 19, late 50s or 1960s. And the original Westfield Mall, it was down south somewhere. It had no natural light. Anyhow, you know, a couple of days after it opened, it was very busy in the mall. And the power went out and the mall was plunged into absolute darkness for half an hour. And when the lights finally came back on, every single shop had been ransacked. (laughs) People had just grabbed racks of clothes and just run for it. Now here's my question. Was there just one thief who was incredibly good at stealing from every single shop? (laughs) It says something about the human condition. That in the darkness, our true nature comes out. The world is a dark place. You know, the majority of the world do not know God through Christ in a saving, liberating way. And that means the justice and freedom that comes from God's people reflecting that light is not a reality for billions of people in the world. Can you imagine what living in the Ukraine must be like right now? Or being a refugee fleeing that violence? Imagine living under the caste system in India or as a woman in Iran. And it's not just globally. What about here on the northern beaches? You know, I think we were so inspired. Was it two weeks ago when Josie came from the lighthouse and she shared about the work she is doing amongst these women who have been victims and men of domestic violence on the beaches? You know, she has 350 current clients on the northern beaches alone who've had to flee Uh, intimate partner violence. And I'm inspired by your response. I'm inspired by her work. But how sad that that even has to exist. You know, what a tragedy that so many in our community face DV and homelessness and isolation. So two, it says the light has come and what we do is in response. Into this darkness, God speaks to his people. He says, rise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And the imagery is of the dawning of a new day. In the Hebrew that Isaiah here is written in, the words shine and light are two forms of the same word. So we could translate this passage, give light for your light has come. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? So Jesus will say to us, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others. Can I challenge us this year? Where can you tilt the world away from darkness and towards the light? Because I think that's our calling as Christians, right? You know, I hope you get involved in big global causes and you lend your voice and your money to important things. But my guess is that you can tilt history towards the light the most by being present for someone. By listening to someone, by making time for someone. That you can let your light shine the brightest this Christmas when inspired by Jesus. We might stop for the one. You know, we might open up our homes and extend hospitality to the isolated. Or those who are just struggling in darkness in some form this year. You know, the light bursts forth when we extend hospitality and friendship. 
So my challenge to you this Christmas is shine brightly where you are. And the people will notice. And that's my final point. As we reflect light, the world is drawn into this great story. Verse 3 of Isaiah 60 says, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. I'll just give you one, one quick aside. When I studied in Vancouver, place called Regent College, well-known seminary around the world, theological school. When I was there in 2005, the communist Chinese government for about two or three years had been sending their governors and top scholars and top regional people to come and study the Bible at Regent College. And it was all on the low, right? This was not announced. It was not to be published or anything. But here's what they'd realised. The societies that had Protestant Christianity at its heart were the most prosperous and harmonious and successful. And so they were sending their nation's top people to go and learn about Jesus. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your dawn. So that's our mission. Jesus calls us to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The light of the world. Reflect God's presence to the world all around us. And as we reflect the light of God's presence and character living in us, the world will be drawn to God. You know, I know that we've got to preach the gospel, but people are watching us before they're listening to us. But I've got to say, sometimes I just get so proud of you guys. And I just can't help brag about what you're doing. You know, as it says in Ephesians 5, and I'm going to talk about this verse on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. How good is this theme? You can see it the whole way through the Bible. This is what what it says. It says, everything that is illuminated becomes a light. I've never noticed that verse till this week. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light. In other words, as Jesus shines upon you, as you let his light break into your life, you will become illuminated and you will become a light. And I don't want to come to Christmas. It's going to be great. But I see how you guys give and how you get involved with Homes of Hope International. How you care for the victims of sex trafficking. How you love one another when someone is hurt or struggling. How when, you know, Bettina turns up from the Netherlands and you guys just love her. You just welcome her into community. That makes me proud. And you give generously to the Christmas appeal to make Christmas a little bit lighter and a little bit brighter for those walking in darkness in our community. So that's the invitation, church. We up for that? Behold the light of the world. Jesus coming into the darkness to show us the love of God. And then as the children of God to reflect that light into a dark world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing.